Amen, amen. It's good to be back home last week. I appreciate everybody that took the time to, to pray for me. I was in western Kentucky at Journey Church in Hopkinsville, and we had a, a great service there with uh, Pastor Vince Farrell. He's, he's crazier than I am, so we had a really, really good time. Uh, but uh, I appreciate that. But, you know, this morning I'm kind of like clay. I'm just I'm stirred in my heart and my spirit through the, through the worship. And it wasn't just that our worship team led us well, but it was the congregational participation that really stirs your heart. And, you know, they were singing uh, earlier about uh, what kind of king leaves his throne. Well, you know, the truth is Christianity is not man's pursuit of God. Christianity is God's pursuit of man. Every other uh, formalized religion in the world is man's attempt to get to God. And it is vain. It is just religious. There's no way that we can be good enough or do good enough or be holy enough to to be in right relationship with God. And God understood our plight. He he understood uh, the condition that we were in. But because of his love for us, the Bible says God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And so you think about the kind of God that we serve. We, We serve a God, now I want you to get this, that pursues you. I mean, isn't that amazing? Even in our sin, God pursues us. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they sinned, and the Bible says that they went and they hid themselves from God, and the Bible says, and God came and he walked in the cool of the day with Adam, but he came back out and Adam was trying to hide, and the pursuing heart of God, he cries out and he says, Adam, where are you? See, your sin doesn't make you or make God run from you. Your sin makes you run from God. But even if you are running away from God, you are running a losing race. You can't outrun the love of God because the love of God will let you spit on it. The love of God will let you crucify it. The love of God will let you bury it. But that kind of love just resurrects itself and comes back after you on the third day. And I'm so thankful to that because even though I'm a Christian, even though I'm a pastor, I fail continually. I, I fall short. As a matter of fact, that's probably the only thing that we all have in common is our failures and our issues and our struggles. But even in our failure, failures, issues, and struggles, God still pursues us. So consider that. You know, Maybe you're here and you feel distant from God. And you feel far away from God. Some of you may be far away from God. The good news this morning is, is that you're not too far away that God can't come rescue you. As a matter of fact, he is near as the mention of his name. You can speak words and he comes to you. Amen? Hallelujah. So if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to turn to the book of James. James chapter number 3. And we've been talking this summer about uh, faith. The last time that I spoke here, I spoke about now faith, how that faith, true, genuine faith, real faith, is a present state of pursuing God. The Bible says that it is impossible, without faith it's impossible to please God. It says, and they that come to God must believe that he is. That word is, is a present tense word. That he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we want to have now faith for what God, I don't want, you know, we don't, we don't want to live in the realm of hope forever. It's good to have hope, but the problem is a lot of us remain in the realm of hope and we never attach our faith to something specific that God promises in his word. 
And the truth is, if we don't attach our faith to the promise of God, we're going to live our lives never obtaining anything that God has in store for our life. And God has purpose, and He has destiny, and He has meaning and significance for your life, and God wants you to step into it, but it requires you to take a step of faith in order to begin that journey. But today I want to talk to you about faith speaks. Faith speaks. Think about these, you know, this, this situation. When God chose to create the world and the universe, he used words to do it. Words are extremely powerful. Words are extremely important. As a matter of fact, God loves words so much that Jesus' name is the word of God. When he returns... Uh, to the earth again, the Bible says that he will have a name written down, his, his, his garment that says the word of God. So words are extremely important. Your words are extremely important. And we're going to talk about that with the connection of our faith. So James chapter number three, we're going to start reading at verse number one. And I don't know where we'll stop, but we'll stop somewhere. James chapter three, verse one. If you're there, say amen. It says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Can I be honest? I wish this verse wasn't in there. I'm just being honest. Because I, I believe that God wrote a book, and I've read this verse, and what does this verse mean? It means what it says. He said, don't become, many of you not become teachers, knowing that there's going to be a more strict or severe judgment. For we all stumble in many things, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his own body. Think about the power of words here. See, if you can control your, your mouth, your tongue, your words, you can control the bigger areas that we think are even more important in our lives. He says, look at ships. Although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pirate, uh, pilot, pirate, pilot desires. Might be a pirate, I don't know. <laughs> Even so, the tongue is a little member and it boasts of great things. See how a forest, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And listen to this. And it is set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and can be tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the image or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would give us revelation in our hearts. Lord, may we understand and comprehend the seriousness, the sacredness of these words, of our words, of your word, and may we only speak those things that are pleasing to you. Lord, help us to connect the issue of faith 
with what proceeds out of our mouth. For, Lord, you said life and death are in the power of the tongue. Help us to be speakers of life and blessing and not cursing death. Lord, we thank you for this time together to be in your house. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Faith Speaks. The average American has about 30 different conversations a day. As a matter of fact, that we will spend about one-fifth or 20% of our time talking. This year, when you collectively gather all of the words that you speak in your conversations, those words would fill 66 books with 800 pages apiece in them just based upon the conversations that we have. You know, the average man speaks about 20,000 words a day. The average woman speaks about 30,000 words a day. Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 says that, they are, that there was silence in heaven for about a period of 30 minutes. That causes me to wonder if there's going to be any women in heaven. I mean, uh, <laughs> anyways. But, but our words are important. Words are important to God. The word of God is important and the words that come out of your mouth are extremely important. And even though we use words all the time, we speak tens of thousands of words every single day, very few people truly understand and grasp the power of the spoken word. Words are extremely powerful. Words are either carriers of destiny or they're carriers of destruction. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I mentioned earlier before I started preaching that, that when God decided or chose to create the world and the universe, he used words to do that. And so each one of us that are created in the image and the likeness of God, and that's you and I, we're created in his image and in his likeness, we carry a degree of creative power within us, and we are able to speak things into existence that do not exist yet. Now, I'm not saying that, that we have ultimate creative power, but I'm saying that we have a measure of it. We have a degree of it. Whatever degree of influence your life carries in the life of another person, you have the power to speak powerfully into that person's life. You have the ability to speak into another person's life. If you don't think your words carry power, go up to a little five-year-old boy, bend down and talk to him and say, boy, you're getting big. You know what will happen to that little boy? He will get bigger right before your very eyes. He'll go, you say, no, you're getting big. He'll go, And that's the kind of power, you know, we, we think that's not really relevant or we don't really understand the, the, the significance or the influence of the words that we speak, but your words can either build people up or tear people down. One of the most terrifying scriptures, in my opinion, in all of the Bible is Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. And Jesus, this is Jesus speaking these words. Now consider the, the seriousness of what he's saying. He said that every idle word, that word idle means careless. Every idle or careless word that proceeds out of your mouth shall be brought into judgment on the day of judgment. Now think about that for a moment. That alone lets me know that judgment day will last at least a billion years. 
but every idle word. See, in other words, when we stand before God on judgment day, He won't just judge our works, He will judge our words. Let me say that again. When we stand before God on judgment day, He will not just judge our works, He will judge our words. Words are very, very important. And it talks about, in the book of James, nobody talks about words or speaking or communicating or our mouth or our tongue more than James does. James has something to say about our mouth in every single chapter of the book of James. He's trying to emphasize something to us. Anytime the Bible repeats itself on any particular subject or even word, it is an added emphasis that God says, look, this is so important, I'm going to repeat myself maybe in a different way so that you would understand that words are powerful. You need to grasp how powerful words really are. Now, there's a lot of people that have the gift of sticking their foot in their mouth. You know, as a matter of fact, our mouth probably gets us into more trouble than anything else in our life. Now, just think about the trouble that you experienced this week or this month or this year, how much of that trouble was created because you said something when you should have kept your mouth shut? You know, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is shut up. It's biblical. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that there's a time to speak and there's a time to refrain from speaking. Now that sounds quite poetic, but basically in eastern Kentucky vernacular, it's saying there's a time to talk, there's a time to... You're getting it. You're smart. You guys are sharp this morning. But there's, there's power in our words. It's biblical. We have the natural ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time and cause catastrophic damage. We have that ability. That's the kind of power that we have. Listen, some of us have said words that we didn't truly mean that somebody else heard and they are still wounded years and years later after what we said. Maybe we said it in a, in a, in a state of anger or, or in a state, in a state of, of depression or we, we said it, we said it in, a, in, in a confrontational way and we never really calculated how much that these words will affect somebody. But if you have said something harsh or mean or hurtful to somebody, I can promise you those words carry power to hurt, even if you didn't mean it. Now, the power of our words are, are so devastating that once we've said them, we can never get them back. Even if we apologize, we can't take back what we said. Words are eternal. The words that you are speaking or you have spoke are caring and are active in the lives of people who have received them, whether it is good or bad. So it's important that we evaluate what we allow come out of our mouth. You know, it's like the, the man who decided that he was going to join the monastery. Now, in a monastery, you know, there's no talking that's allowed, Okay. So this guy says, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to join this monastery and while I'm there, I'm, just, I'm going to get close to God. You know, I'm going to get serious about, you know, uh, being uh, consecrated and set apart for God. And, and the terms were this, you are not allowed to say anything for the entire year except on the last day of each year. So he made a three-year commitment. He said, okay, I'm going to commit myself to three years 
And so the, the, the chief monk at the time goes and said, okay, here's the terms. You can't say anything throughout the entire year except on the last day of the year. And on the last day of the year, I'm going to allow you to say two words. So the first year comes, and, 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 it, and it passes, and the monk comes to the, the guy that joined, and he said, okay, we're, this is the last day of the year, and you're allowed to say two words. Now, what, are, what is it that you want to say? And he says, bad hard. First year comes and passes. The second year, it comes and it passes. And then on the last day, the monk comes back up to the man. He says, okay, this is the last day of the year. I'm going to give you uh, uh, two words that you can say. What is it that you want to say? He goes, food cold. And so the third year comes and it passes. And the monk comes back up to him again. And he, and he says, okay, this is the last day of the year. You can speak two words. What do you want to say? I quit. Bed hard, food cold, I quit. You know what the monk said? You know, that don't surprise me because you've done nothing but complain since you've been here anyways. So our words, even if you just say two words, they're important. And so James says, you know what? We need to talk about how that the words we speak out of our mouth affects our spiritual life and specifically reveals what we believe concerning the faith. So if you've got your outline with you, I'm going to give you a couple of things here this morning about what comes out of our mouth and how it affects us. The first thing I want to tell you, according to James, is that my tongue directs where I go. My tongue directs where I go. Here's what it says in James chapter 3, verse 4. It says, Consider a ship. Ships are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Your tongue is like a steering wheel of your life. It's a rudder. It steers. It determines the direction that we are going. If you don't like the way your life is going or the direction your life is going, you don't need to change your mind. You need to change your words. He said, your words are like a rudder, even though the ship is big, even though the winds are fierce, even though the waters are treacherous. He says, this little rudder will determine the direction that you go. If you're unhappy with your life, if you're unhappy with the direction that you're going, then you need to consider what is it that is coming out of my mouth. You know, sometimes telling, telling another person just to be themselves is the worst advice you can ever give them. Just be yourself. No, 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 no. You got to, you know, some people, you know, they can find a problem with every solution and believe it's a gift from God. You know, they, they can come up with five to ten different reasons of why what you're sharing with them won't work and not be able to come up with one idea of what will. And so the truth is this, what comes out of our life has a lot to do with how we are truly on the inside. So my tongue directs where I go. So where are you heading in life? Where do you want to be 10 years from now? Look at your conversations. What do you talk about the most? You know, James teaches us if we can focus on controlling our tongue, then we can control all the other areas that are out of control in our lives as well. 
I mean, think about that. He said, if you can just control your mouth, your lips, your tongue, what comes out of that, all the other areas you think you really truly struggle in, you'll be able to, it will be much easier to control them once you get this one area correct. Now, how many of you have been guilty, don't lift your hands, of allowing things to come out of your mouth? Let's put it this way. How many of you have allowed things to come out of your mouth this week? Let me say it again. How many of you allow something to come out of your mouth this morning? Because listen, I know Sunday morning is the best time for you to get in an argument with your husband or wife. It's very easy. And so you, you, you allow something to come out of your mouth that you should have never said in the beginning. Listen, your tongue determines the direction of your life. James says if you can control it, if you can put it under submission, if you can control what comes out of it, you can control every single area of your life that you think that you're out of control of. Now, you may have a lot of areas in your life that are out of control, but I can promise you the number one area that's causing the majority of our problems is this right here. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to get up and just give you a piece of their Christian mind. You know, they wake up, you know, they wake up with just a mouthful of teeth and they're ready to bite somebody's head off. Christians! Probably nobody goes to this church. You know, they probably go to somebody else's church. Not here. But what have you said this week? What have you said this morning? What are the things that have come out of your What do you talk about the most? What is in your conversation, it shouldn't be in your conversation, that is making a negative effect of your life? Now listen to this. We shape our words and then our words shape us. Write that down. We shape our words and then our words shape us. And another thing that James is saying is that you cannot separate a person's words from a person's walk. In other words, the things that come out of your mouth will also dictate how you live your life. You can't separate a person's words from a person's life, from a person's works, from the life that they live. So it's important that we see the connection to our words and then the way that we live our life. My tongue directs where I go. Here's the second thing. The second thing is my tongue can destroy what I have. It directs where I go, and it can destroy what I have. Look what it says here in verse number 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts, notice, the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and in itself is set on fire by hell. That's some heavy word. I didn't say that. I didn't come up, this wasn't something I thought would, you know, be a wonderful message that people would like to hear preached. You know, this wasn't my idea. I didn't write the book of James. God put this in here and he's saying, look, you know, your, your mouth, what you allow come out of your mouth is can set the entire course of your life. Now think about what all your life encompasses. He says what comes out of your mouth can affect every single area of your life. In other words, that what comes out of your life, out of your mouth, can start a chain reaction of negative consequences that you never expected. In other words, what comes out of your mouth can set your whole world on fire. 
It can release all of hell. Listen, the devil doesn't have to curse you. You curse yourself by the things that come out of your mouth. The devil doesn't have to curse your children. We curse our own children by the words that come out of our mouth. Be careful what you say. Jesus said every careless word will be brought into judgment. And so, I mean, have you ever met a verbal arsonist? God forbid that they be numbered among the Christian. But yet I know and I hear, listen, you know what? Christians are some of the most, let me say this right way. There's a lot of folk love drama in the church. There's a lot of folk that love gossip in the church. There's a lot of people that will hear only one side of the story and never even make an effort to hear the other side of the story. And then they will base their decision on one side of the story, and then they will speak what somebody else told him, which is second-hand information that oftentimes is completely incorrect. For example, the Bible says in Matthew 18 that if you have a problem with your brother and sister, go to them and talk about it. Now, how many of you enjoy doing that? Well, how many of you go to somebody else like a pastor and say, so-and-so did this to me and you need to handle that? Well, have you went to them first? Have you talked? Listen, it takes character to confront in a loving way. Now, that word confront is not necessarily a bad word, and it's not a cuss word. The word confront actually means care fronting. And you've got to care about somebody if you're willing to confront them in a loving way. But I'm not even going to preach on gossip. But y'all know what's in there. If you don't, do a word search and see what the Bible says about it. It's sin. It's sinful. David said, put a guard around my mouth, lest I sin with my tongue. There's many, many ways that we can sin that are not uh, direct actions that we take. They're words that we say. But we tend to tolerate Words more than we do actions as if one is okay and the other one is not. But it says our mouth, our tongue, our words can set the whole body on fire on the course of hell itself. It says your words like a fire and it says it's like a force. It says just a little spark in a dry forest can cause a forest fire that will destroy and devastate Everything in its path. I wonder what has been devastated in your life simply because the words you spoke come out were the wrong words and now they have caused all hell to break loose in your life. And you know, the easiest people to give a piece of your mind to are those that love you the most. We tend to take out our anger, our frustration, our, our discouragement, uh, you know, whatever that may be. We tend to take that out on the people that love us the most. Why? Because they're there. It's convenient. They love you. They're not going to go anywhere. But what you don't understand is, is that that person can become physically present in your life and emotionally absent at the same time. Because people are not going to let you continually hurt them and hurt them and hurt them to the point to where they just start closing you off. They listen to you. 
They are there. They're committed to you. But you know what? You don't even have a relationship because you've allowed the things that come out of your mouth to cause major problems. It says here, he said it's set on fire by hell itself. It sets the whole course of the body. In, in other words, the things that come out of your mouth can destroy everything in your life and cause all hell to break loose in your life. For example, you know, when the husband comes home and he, from work and he's tired and he's grumpy and he's hateful and he comes in and he yells at his wife. Ah, rah, 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 rah. What does the wife do? The wife goes to the older, older son and she yells at him. Ah, rah, 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 rah. And so the older son goes to the little sister and yells at her and says, yah, 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 yah. And so the little sister goes outside and kicks the dog. And then so the dog goes over and bites the cat. And now the cat goes in and scratches the baby. And the truth is, and the point is this, wouldn't it just been better if, if the father would just have came in and kicked the dog and, and, and let the dog bite the cat and do all this business in the first place versus the, destroying the whole family? And that's kind of how things work. It's like a domino effect. That's what he's saying. The things that you say can cause a chain reaction of negative bad things to happen in your life that you don't really realize is possible. And so he goes on to say here, he says in verse 7 and 8, he talks about a zoo. He says all kinds of animals, all kinds of animals have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, that word poison in the Greek language actually means snake venom. In other words, you can speak snake venom in, out of your mouth and it can poison those that are around you. For example, you know, a scorpion carries its poison in its tail, right? But people carry their poison in their mouth. What have you said this week that has stung somebody and now is affecting them and they're feeling the effects of that sting right now? He says in... Chapter 3, James goes, these things ought not be so. In other words, you shouldn't do that. You can't tolerate that. It's unacceptable. It's not allowed. It's not godly. Listen, if saying hurtful things is ungodly, then obviously our reaction would be, we shouldn't say those things, right? But yet, when, we're, when our tongue is out of control, when it's not bridled, it stings, it curses, it wounds, it poisons, and it affects people far, far more than we actually realize. So my tongue determines the direction I go, and it can destroy everything that I have. Here's the last thing. My tongue describes who I am. Man, this is brutal. If you believe this, I don't know if you do or not. Like I said, there's some of the stuff that's in here that I wish wasn't in there, but it is. But my tongue 
describes who I am. It reveals what's in your heart. It describes the kind of character of a person that you really are. Yeah, I was watching a, a, a video on YouTube there uh, the other day, and it was uh, interview, street interviews that, that people were, uh, you know, were, were conducting, and they were asking little children. The, the question was this, what is the worst thing that you've ever heard your mommy say? Now, let me just say that there was a lot of censored moments that come out of that conversation. But I wonder if your children were to tell me what they have heard come out of your, your mouth if you'd be embarrassed. Children tell the truth, you know what I'm saying? So what I want to do right now is invite some of your children up. <laughs> but my tongue describes who I am. Our tongue is our greatest vehicle of expression. It reveals who we are. It reveals our character. The Bible says that even a fool appears to be wise when he keeps his mouth shut. I love what Mark Twain said. He said, better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you are a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Sometimes, sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut because this will tell on ourselves. James 3, 9 through 17 says, the tongue, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse God human beings who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow out of the same spring? The point is this. Whatever comes out of the well comes up from underneath the ground. In other words, what is on the inside is what ultimately comes out on the outside. I mean, I've heard Christians, let me put a disclaimer out there, say very horrible, vulgar, ungodly things, and then they say, I don't know where that came from. I'm like, I know from your heart. How do I know that's true? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, if it comes out, it's because it's in there. Now, this is heavy stuff. But the truth is this. If our problem is a mouth problem, then really and truly, we have greater problems than what we realize. Because our mouth problem is a reflection of a heart problem. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, my tongue directs where I go. It destroys what I have, but most of all, it describes who we are. And if you have a problem with your tongue, it's, it's much more serious than what you think. Look at this. A harsh tongue comes from an angry heart. A negative tongue comes from a fearful heart. An overactive tongue 
comes from an unsettled heart. A proud tongue comes from an insecure heart. A filthy tongue comes from an impure heart. And a critical tongue comes from a bitter heart. So, if you were to evaluate on these statements, evaluate yourself on these statements, the question would be, what is in your heart? What is in your heart? You know, I wonder if we were to listen to every conversation that you've had this past week, what would we learn about you? Because one day, the conversations that you had last week, you'll have to give an account of that before God. They can come to the music. I'm wrapping it up. I know this is about all we can handle this morning. We can quit right now and have an altar call and everybody, we can repent, right? But I'm trying to communicate to you the importance of your words. And what comes out of our mouth oftentimes is a reflection of our spiritual maturity. What comes out of our mouth oftentimes is a reflection of our spiritual maturity. Because listen, it's one thing to be done wrong and then react the wrong way. It's another thing to have nothing wrong but just in the, in the, uh, the, the, the everyday mundane routines of life allow inappropriate things to come out of our mouth. Some of you have had things said to you by people that you love the most that have broke your heart, that have crushed you. Some of you have spoken such horrible things about yourself that you have wounded your own heart. You know, the Bible says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That's the first commandment. He said, but the second one is like it, that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Now, sometimes we just say those words, but, but we don't really understand what God's saying here. He said, listen, you should love yourself. Not in your flesh, not in your ungodliness, not in your unredeemed, unsanctified flesh, but in the grace of God. But in the uniqueness in which God created you, you need to learn how to love yourself. Because the truth is, if you don't love yourself, then you cannot reciprocate love back to God nor those that you say you love in your life. The truth is we would never love God if God had not first loved us. What, what, does, what, did, what does the Bible say? It says we love God because He first loves us. In other words, our ability to receive the love of God is what stirs our heart to reciprocate love back to God. But if you've been wounded by somebody, or you have wounded yourself through whether it's verbal, physical, whatever that may be, or what you've done to other people, and that you despise and hate yourself because of that, then you're going to walk around in life wounded and wounding others, even though that's not what you're wanting to do. Why? Because hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by people. Now, I feel in my spirit this morning that many of you are carrying wounds 
that are a result of what somebody close to you in your life spoke to you, spoke over you, and you've never addressed it. You've just masked it with whatever thing you could find to keep it hidden on the inside. I want you to know something. God is not, he doesn't get glory because you're in bondage. God doesn't get glory because you were wounded. It doesn't bring glory to God that you are bound by the pain of your past and you carry it around every day. You're trying to do better. You're trying, you've tried all the behavior modifications. You've tried all of the, you know, walking right, speaking right. You, you, but you know what? You're doing the best that you can, but still you feel like a loser. You feel like an outcast. You feel like a disappointment. You feel like you're not good enough. And God is saying, listen, I want to speak words over your life you know God is our father right and fathers speak and when Jesus was water baptized God the father spoke words over his son he spoke these words deeply profound and powerful and we all need to hear that from our father he spoke these words. When Jesus came out of the baptismal waters, he spoke these words. He said, this is my son, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. In that one statement, Jesus received identity. This is my son. He received affirmation, whom I love. And he received acceptance and whom I'm well pleased. All three of those things are universal needs in the human heart that each of us, if we do not have and we do not walk in that, we will search for the rest of our lives trying to obtain something that the Father is freely given. We can understand that God is a loving Father, but we struggle thinking that God really likes us. Theologically, we know God is a loving God, but experientially, we feel like a stepchild. We feel like a second-class Christian. We've had somebody speak over our lives saying that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're always going to be the way that you are. You know, you're always going to be this. You're always going to be that. You're always going to be a loser. You're always going to be mistreated. Every relationship that you're in, that nobody thinks that, that you have what it takes. Listen, those things are devastating to the human heart and to the human soul. But if you want to be free from that, you have to acknowledge the fact that they're there. And you need to speak those things out of your mouth. You know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 12, verse 10, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now think about this for a second. God has already provided victory for us through Jesus' death on the cross, right? We understand that. But 
Very few Christians are walking in the freedom and in the victory that he died to provide for us. Why? Because of what is not coming out of our mouth. In other words, there's a degree of victory and freedom that is lacking in your life simply because you've not spoken words. The testimony is what God has done for you. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either you are forgiven or you're still in your sins. Either you're on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. And it requires more than just theological knowledge. You've got to speak. Even salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 9, 8 through 10. He says, the word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. He says, for if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. Now listen to this. He says, for with the mouth or with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, your words carry eternal significance. Stand with me. What does your tongue say about you? What does it reveal about you? we were to listen, I said this earlier, if we were to listen to every conversation you had last week, what would we learn about you? God hears it all. Our tongue displays who we are, the direction that we're going, and can destroy everything in our life. And today, He wants you to acknowledge that you've said things that were inappropriate. You've spoken things to individuals and you've said things about yourself that have been hurtful and sinful. And if we want to receive from God, we've got to get in the right position in order to receive from God. And the position we've got to get in it is in the place of repentance. Repentance is not just a one-time thing. Repentance is a continual thing. And when we confess our sins, what we're saying is we're agreeing with what God's saying. We cannot do anything to make ourselves right with God, but we can come in agreement. And when, listen, our life comes into agreement with God, miracles take place. See, what comes out of your mouth can either create a miracle or a mess. And you need to let that bad language, those words you've spoken, go. You need to forgive. You need to get rid of all those things that's in your heart. Do you have a negative heart? Do you have a critical heart? Do you have an impure heart? What heart is in you? Listen, God will give you a new heart. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need to turn over a new life. And Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people live. And he wants you to live in his presence and for his purpose and for his glory. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that the words that have been spoken will be sealed in the hearts of those that have heard. And this morning, as you begin to deal with us, 
bring to our mind and to our remembrance those things that are not pleasing to you. Anything that we've said, anything that we've done, anything that we've thought, anything that is in us, Lord, that is keeping us to, from aligning ourselves with you and bring change. And Father, I pray that you just release grace as we humble ourselves before you and say we need help. We need something to change in our heart. Only you can change your heart. As they sing and as they play, if the Lord's dealing with you, if there's some things that you need to get off yourself, uh, off your chest and, and confess before God, we're going to open up this altar. You can come and pray.